You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Uh, we have a very first on the podcast this week. We do. And it's the most precious thing ever. We have a baby on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those cheeks. I know she's got cheeks for days. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vivian. Vivian Honey Harward. New to the Oh plan. my God. Vivian Honey Harward. Mm-hmm. I love that. We thought we almost named her Honey, but then we figured if... She wanted like a cool bike racer name. Not that she has to be one, but she might. <laughs> that Honey Harward would be a really cool name. That's a really good bike racer name. Right? <laughs> okay. Speaking of that voice that you hear is a bike, well, retired bike racer. Officially, you're officially tired, retired. Is that right, Brie? Um, well, I was pro on the road and was tapping into making gravel a new career and Found out you were pregnant. pregnant with my first and then pandemic and then pregnant with my second. So I'm, I'm in the interim. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm directing a race in the meantime. Uh, just nothing going on. Did you see that Aww. study that just came out that, uh, it was about on runners, but how they came back stronger, like 46% came back stronger after pregnancy. I see things like that and hear those things often. And I, I love it. I love seeing and hearing moms that come back better, stronger. Um, I have yet to experience that. (laughs) Because you had one and then another. Maybe. (laughs) And your body's like, what's going on? (laughs) I also started pretty late. I'm 38. So yeah, um, age does make a difference. I I don't know if that is any difference in the, in the bounce back situation, but I still love writing and we'll, we'll see where it goes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. We haven't officially introduced you. So we have, uh, Brianne. Okay. Now I forgot how to say your first part. Nalder Harwood. Nalder Harwood, um, or Brie. And, uh, we had you like really early on, we chatted with you, uh, but it was very short. And since then you've had two babies and, um, you have started a race. So we wanted to have you on the podcast, Brie, and get to know you a little bit more and, uh, talk about your event some. So uh, we usually just start, tell us your story of how you got into cycling. All right. Um, well, first, thanks for having me. This is super cool to be on this platform because I'm a big fan and <laughs> love what love what you're doing. Um, I guess what got me into riding, I was a collegiate volleyball player, actually. And when that ended, I still had the knack for competing and working out. And I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, a great place to ride. My stepdad was a local racer and he let me borrow his bike. And we just kind of made his too big bike uh, fit me. And I started riding around with him and was pretty just good at it. So I started entering races and I entered the Snowbird Hill Climb, which is considered the Alpe d'Huez of North America, on a mountain bike with slick tires and won. And was like, <laughs> can I get a road bike? And it just kind of went on from there. And I was lucky enough to 
uh, get recruited to the DNA procycling team when they were brand new. So that's based out of Salt Lake City. Um, and so, gosh, just when a lot of, there are actually quite a few girls coming out of Salt Lake then, and our field was strong. And we, I, again, I was just lucky enough to be in the right space in the right time to get an opportunity to race and um, rode for DNA for eight years from the original squad. And um, in 20, let's see, 16, I guess, I started tapping into gravel. There were these new events and we're good friends with um, Briggs Wendelhurst who started Crusher and the Tusher. And so I started um, playing around with gravel and um, ended up, and also my, my best, my bike wife, as we call her, Allie, was telling me to come and ride with her and do like the Oregon Trail, just all these fun things that were just different and you could use your road fitness and have a bunch of fun. And I was hooked and ended up, um, I guess my, my biggest accolade, I won Rebecca's Private Idaho in 17. And um, the next, <laughs> I guess I'm just kind of segueing into, um, that's my story of how I got started and then how I'm, where I'm at. Um, at the Oregon Gravel Grinder the next year, I was actually camping with Allie and couldn't get out of my own way. I was puking on every stage and coffee didn't taste good in the morning and wine didn't taste good at night. And it was like anti the spirit of gravel for lack of better. <laughs> and my, my sweet friend kept checking in on me and asking why what's going on with me? Do I need to take a break? And uh, lo and behold, I was three months pregnant with my first <laughs> Beatrice and uh, had her and in February of 2020. And fast forward, here we are now with Vivian. And in the meantime, I've gotten this great opportunity to direct a race. And we have a new one in Vernal, Utah called the Dirty Dino Gravel Grinder. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's awesome. So what is it? How much are you liking just doing the directing coming out of the racing to the directing? Um, it's a whole different set of fun. Um, I, gosh, that's a big question, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've um, gone the other, I mean, I kind of came at it from the other direction. Right. Yeah, so race directing into the gravel cycling and then going the other direction. What's that like? Yeah, I think it's it's fun building an event from what I would want as a racer. As um, I'm, this Vernal race is really cool. If you haven't heard of Vernal, Utah, it's this tiny town in uh, basically outskirts of Dinosaur Land National Monument. That's why we call it the Dirty Dino. And um, they called me the like Office of Tourism. I don't even know how they got my information or what, but I used to run probably the... Ali Tetrick. No, actually, because these people don't. This group they don't know bike racing. It's it's like we need more people in our town, at our restaurants, and in our hotels, and we have all this really cool terrain. And there's these local guys who have come up with some course ideas can you come and see if you want to put on an event and so the office of tourism um 
and events is actually my presented by sponsor. Oh. So the town is just behind this event and uh, we're, it's a hundred, the, the full course is just over a hundred miles of just incredible gravel terrain. Um, it's a lot of climbing. It's up in the high Uinta mountains and get tops off at 11,000 feet. Oh, nice. um, so it's the, the full course is quite the, <laughs> quite the endeavor, but um, to answer your question, it's like oh, this really neat in between where I get to create, I have a pretty small budget. It's a, it's a small event, but thinking, okay, if I were coming to this small town in Utah and I just want a really cool ride, what would I want out of it? And I have basically free reign to do that uh, because they've trusted me to create it and make it as cool as I can with the allotted budget that I have. And we just kind of hit the ground running and I'm, I, I keep saying lucky, but I do feel really lucky. I have sponsors and partnerships through my business and, and my career that have kind of stayed on board and, and helping me out with support and swag and, and a lot of things like that. So um, it's, it's come together really well. First year was, uh, I consider pretty big success and we're on track to double in numbers this year. So it's looking good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which what distances of the courses are there? Sorry. There's you're okay. There's a 30, a 55, and 103-ish, give or take on all of those. Do all of them go to eleven thousand feet? No. <laughs> and, and in fact, my mid my mid-distance is actually the most popular because it's a solid ride, because you still get like six thousand feet of climbing. Um, and don't, don't have to do it's, it's basically a, a loop, but there's this lollipop, uh, 15 out and 15 back. That's just this straight climb to this incredible peak that overlooks dinosaur land. And so that's the hundred is just this massive hard climb. So you go up it, you descend back down and you get back on the loop. So it's just kind of the extra I'm inspired by your tusher. Days. It it's similar to Tusher as far as elevation and because you get about a thousand feet per 10, 10 miles. Is that correct math? Yeah. So yes, it's been compared to Crusher in the sense that it's a small Utah event with lots of climbing, but you can't really avoid that in Utah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to like just circle, I want to hear more about the event, but I want to kind of circle back to your pro career a little bit. Um, because we've talked to several people, you know, like um Allie and um we talked a little bit to Emily Newsom and uh it's been such an interesting few years for women's cycling, right? And I would love for you to kind of tell us um maybe a little of what your experience was to compare to maybe what you're seeing happen with women's cycling right now. Cause I think it, it's, it's just, it's so cool to see the evolution, how fast it's starting to go. It really is. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I have a lot of FOMO for lack of a better description, because where gravel has gone, even since I've been out of the loop is pretty incredible um, on the women's side. Um, I actually just barely watched the lifetime, uh, the YouTube show that they produced. Um, and it was really cool to see how it's it's still 
gravel has its own appeal as far as the what I loved at least when I when I started was that you have to train your butt off but the mass start content part of it all and um there's racing but then there's also just competing and <laughs> with yourself and it's not just how how road racing was peloton tactics you know, once you're dropped, you're out. There's there's so much that's really cool to watch. And so seeing the evolution of a lot of bigger names coming into gravel and it becoming this almost dichotomy of the racing scene and the just kind of the mass start fun scene, but that everyone can be on course. And I know that's what kind of everyone says, but that's really what I've been watching. And I know a lot of the names or I've been in the same pack as girls I'm seeing come through and really shining. And it's, it's really cool to see. Um, when I, when I started, it was pretty small. It, at least in comparison, there weren't as many big, big prize persons. I mean, I talked to you, Chris, you like, you're like, you need to come and do my event. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know how to make a calendar for myself. they're all just so big these huge endeavors and all these big places to travel to and I really didn't even know how to put it together whereas as a racer it was laid out for me it was I'm going to these stage races and figure out your training in between um and I was doing gravel as a fun thing on the side where I could just use my fitness and my my own knowledge on race tactics to try and do my best. And now it's a whole calculated, gosh, some of the best writers in the world. And it's, it's just really fun to watch. I'm kind of jumping all over the place with my answer, but it's because it, um, it's, it's exciting. Um, remind me the base of your, of your question. Yeah, Uh, no, I think that's really great. And I, I even love, um, I remember we talked to Hannah Shell after uh, who's raced both on the road and now she's mm-hmm. in gravel. Was she on DNA as well? I can't remember if she was uh, a DNA cyclist or not. But anyway, Who? Hannah Shell. She raced um, for DNA for one year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she was, I, I had asked her, we talked to her in the summer before the Tour de France Femmes. And then I asked her after, I said, what do you think? of women's cycling. Like, do you see, and she said, I didn't think that there was a big path for women on the road anymore. And now that I saw what's happened this past year with the tour de France bombs and just a lot of things, I think that are happening in women's sport this past year, you know, like the U S soccer team getting equal pay rugby games, women's rugby games selling out. Now the women's soccer games are selling out and they're moving to bigger stadiums. And I just feel like there's been a tipping point in the past year or so for women's sports. And I think it's so interesting from somebody that's been in professional cycling for so long, like what your view of what's happening is. That's a really good point. And I think I view it more as a fan and I'm curious right now, um, how girls that are at the high level on road and still involved with gravel, how they're putting it together, because there is a big tip, but it seems like you have to be in Europe. It's, it's not really happening here. There's a few stage races left. If, I, if I'm talking specifically road, like mm-hmm. how are, how are girls even deciding where to 
you know, which eggs to put in which basket and teams supporting them and having the finances to do it, unless you're winning the prize money. Uh, how do you, how do you put that together? Do you have to make the choice if it, if you're having a gravel season or a road season? I, I would think so. Like you've got to either be a road racer probably over in Europe or going for the big money here as like part of the Grand Prix. Right. So yeah, that is a really interesting point. And, and again, as a, as a fan of cycling, but also like knowing the names and watching, it's been, it has been interesting to see. Um, I've, I've wondered if maybe there's going to start to be more of a push toward gravel teams because there's going to only be so many, um, what's the right word? Uh, how, how many individuals are going to be able to pull sponsors together and, and create whole seasons if they want to fully focus on gravel, especially if they they've come from road where you have to be on this bike, you have to be on these wheels uh, you have to use this nutrition product, but then as an individual, a lot of, a lot of girls are having to find those on their own. So I've been wondering, is, is, is there going to be a shift into team racing? Um, I mean, that's what I think you're seeing right now is that privateer movement, right? Where you have a lot of women like going out on their own and finding their own sponsors and in the gravel space. And it's going to be curious to see how all of that plays out because I don't think Although I think the pay is closer to equal, I still don't. I mean, I'm not seeing the contracts, but my guess is that it's it's still not equal, right? So oh, I mean, the sponsorship dollars, no right? That's what I mean. The spot the the prize purse money that we're offering is obviously equal, but I don't. I think that that's kind of. But it also sets sets up for okay, so the winners keep winning. And keep getting sponsorships and and keep going. And so uh, everyone else clawing to get sponsors and get representation. And unless you can get up the podium time and time again, how are you going to get those sponsors? And that was always the problem. Yeah. With, with road. I don't know. I'm like, you kind of look at it and I do feel like there's a bit of a space, at least right now in gravel for people that have, that are just like good humans with a good following with, you know, having fans and, and just creating culture and, and embracing that. I I mean, that also comes out of being fast. So it's like this, this is the circle that just kind of goes round and round and round. And, you know, I'm hoping, um, you know, like looking at Allie, her wanting to kind of step back a bit from being focused on a podium to being focused on being as part of the community. She's, seems to be able to navigate that right now. And that's awesome. You know, so cool. Um, so you're just hope, I mean, I'm hoping that that is the trend, right? Like, absolutely. And, and I think relatability goes a long way. I think a lot, so especially I'm, and I'm saying this as a female, right. I, like, I'm even, I'm searching for like other moms and how they're navigating um competing and racing and I'm asking myself am I an age grouper now like when I come back am I going to be should I focus on age group because I don't know if I can go and race against my buddies anymore <laughs> or maybe I can but do I want to or that's the that, I think you have two questions there yeah you probably can I think the bigger thing is going to be is that where you wanted was that what you want to do 
That's my daily question, my friend. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's like, <laughs> we could, we could loop in my therapist right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bree, guess who we have on the line? Yeah, right. <laughs> you brought a surprise guest for you. <laughs> and it does, I guess maybe I'm skirting around the personal a little bit and shouldn't because it. I, I watch and I want to be a part of things. I, I said FOMO earlier because I do, I, I feel like I'm missing out. I didn't quite reach my potential. Gravel's got so many more opportunities than even a few years ago. Um, what would I have qualified to do or what podiums might I have been on? I don't know. But then at the same time, every time I get out to train, I just want to go home to my babies. And so... <laughs> I, I really, I can't decide yet because I think I need a little more time. And I, I think there's other moms out there um, that have different situations, whether it's childcare, whether it's um, actual like nine to five work that's, that gets in the way, but there's, there is a, a lot to navigate in deciding to go full gas in racing versus participating there's a very, very big difference. I do think yeah. the community is, is big enough that what you bring to the table has such amazing value um, from your past experience and your current experience. Um, and I mean, just your ability. I mean, you're also a nutritionist dietitian, right? I am. That's my actual degree and job is I, I'm a sport dietitian. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think we're making such big progress just in women in sport that there's just so much value that you bring that it doesn't have to look the same. And I appreciate you saying that because I've really had a lot of back and forth internally on my relevance and like, how long can I surf the coattails of my past and versus what I can do moving forward. And I think that's where directing comes in. Um, I, I hold local women's rides. I'm trying to keep um, an inviting uh, presence right now more than anything to just, I don't, I don't even want to say the word advocate because it's, it's, it's beyond trying to represent brands or keep something going that I used to do. It's more just um, creating space that I I want other people to know that they can come ride with me, whether it's to talk about nutrition or pedaling or road or gravel or whatever. But um, again, maintaining some sort of relevance because I'm seeing uh, Girls like, gosh, Amy Charity and Jess Sarah and Laura King up like that are putting on humongous, I mean, you, uh, humongous events. And I'm like, anyone want to come to Vernal and ride my course with me? <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, it's, it's something. And the more opportunity we have, the better. Um, no, I appreciate you talking about that though, Brie, because I do, I think a lot of women, when they make that transition, I'm not a mom, but I've seen a lot of people when they make that transition really wrestle with like, 
who am I? What do I want? I feel like I'm in a little bit of a transition in my life too, right? I'm 48. I'm hitting definitely hitting that perimenopause. Like life is looking different. I can't train or do some of the things that I used to do. My body's just like, mm, no. And you hit you hit transitions and it's really a time where you reflect and you go, what, what do I want to contribute? What do I want to give? How do I want to do this? And it, it's a little bit of mourning for who you were <laughs> and then going, well, I know what it takes to be this, do I want to be this or, you know, like it's, it's not easy. Those aren't easy things to figure out. Yeah. I'm actually trying not to get too emotional because what it comes down to is just a passion for riding bikes and finding the right space. Um, I almost, I found myself feeling stupid a moment ago saying that I, I want to maintain relevance because I don't even know how relevant I am anyway. But I I have some sort of a platform in that I have an event that people can come to. I have a company and a, co- a coaching business. And I I my my main thing, you go back to a dietitian, I my objective with my work is to help I work with with all genders, but um as from personal, like help other women that are trying to better themselves with bike, biking, be their cycling, being their sport um, on the nutrition side, how to to be better, faster, stronger, and have a good relationship with food. Um, And so um, finding a spot for myself as far as what I do on the bike versus what I do for work and as a community member, cycling community member. Um, yeah, I am daily asking myself what, what that looks like and it's shifting (laughs) daily as well. I think there's probably something beautiful that's going to come together. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, we're getting actually getting ready within Feisty. So Feisty Media is who I work for full time and who produces this podcast to Girls Can Gravel Falls Under. But we're getting ready to release a course about fueling, about nutrition. Mm-hmm. And in our Slack channel, we put out the question, like, what are some of the messages you got about nutrition? And there's probably 20 people like Marley Blonsky's in there because we do her podcast. Like I'm in there. Then there's like Celine Yeager. There's a 20 something year old pro triathlete. There's former Canadian national team members and everybody have has these negative messages about fueling and everybody loves sports, but separating that love for sport and the messages they got about diet from coaches or a culture. So I don't know. I just feel like there's a very special space there. And then everybody's looking for community. Yeah. Cause we can all do the math and figure out carbs, fats, proteins, right doesn't mean it's easy or applicable and it's so situation-based and there's so many factors that go into that, that we can't, we can't just read an article or read a book or follow somebody because every body is different. Right. So that's my job is to help put the puzzle pieces together for individuals. Um, But then I'm, I'm watching all these big platforms and it's like, it's not my personality to promote huge and stuff. Like if you go to my Instagram, it's like pictures of my kids and that's just my own personal choice. But 
I do feel like I have quite a bit to offer that's different from a lot of other avenues as far as sport nutrition. And so, yeah, I've always kind of in the back of my mind thought, how do, how do I transition out of it being about bike racing and more about just, um, you know, get achieving optimal performance. And that doesn't just mean biking, but, um, feeling good in your own body and per performing as far as, even if it's PRs, even if it's, uh, not getting a stomach ache, I don't know, whatever the case may be. So, um, well, you, you talked about like FOMO earlier, like watching the gravel scene and seeing the names and whatnot, but what's interesting for me, it's like, it's, it's on the same sort of spectrum where, um, it's not, it's not FOMO because I'm, I'm part of it, but at the same time, I'm like the information that we're finally getting as women, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so happy for my 25 year old daughter that she's going to come through, you know, her twenties and thirties and forties with much better information than I ever did. And much more, you know, relatable information that's, that's relative to being a woman. And I'm like, God damn it. Why wasn't that there when I was, you know, when I was 25, I would have been a way different person had that been. So I'm, you know, like you're still excited. I'm so excited for her. But I'm also like, this sucks that it took us this long to figure this shit out. <laughs> and we haven't, I mean, we still haven't figured it out, right? It's still not, we're not there on nutrition, on sport, all of it. We're still really just diving into all of this stuff. But it's, it's, it's definitely an exciting time in, in women's sport. And I, gosh, Brie, you bring a lot to the table that I think you just get to decide, like, how do you want to fit in? And you're also, I mean, <laughs> you're also raising two amazing girls that are going to be, I mean, that's that in and of itself is its own piece of the puzzle. It's incredibly valuable that your two girls are going to have this bigger impact and bigger influence because of who their mother is. And that's don't sell that short for Christ's sake. That's huge. Thank you. So. Thank you for saying that. And that's I actually was, as you were talking, thinking exactly that. And I, have an opportunity on what I, like you said, can do to move forward and where I want to put myself. But what I was really thinking is what I can do for these two little nuggets and how cool is it? So, okay. I was reading, so cool. <laughs> I was, re I was reading an article recently it has nothing to do with cycling, but I think fits what we're talking about in a really neat way. Um, I've been learning because I don't have siblings. Uh, I haven't been around babies. Like I'm really learning as I go. I'm, I'm a firstborn. My husband is adopted and doesn't have, like, we don't have family. Okay. So I'm figuring out how to communicate with a toddler. Uh, no joke. Like I find things through uh, an Instagram that connects me to articles. Like I'm just, I'm figuring it out. And um I was reading one about not being your child's first bully and it was super cool. Like, uh, for example, it don't imagine someone coming up and snatching your phone out of your hand when you're trying to send a message and being like, not right now. It's time for this, right? You'd be like, screw you. 
that's mine. Right. So like, <laughs> I love that. If somebody tried that with me. <laughs> right. So like, how can we expect a little two or three year old human to have rational thought and be like, oh, it isn't time for my toy. Right. And so it was just really stepping back to look at um, how to communicate with a toddler and not be your child's first bully or, t- you know, punishing them for having natural feelings and just a bunch of stuff like that. And toward the end, it said, but as you're reading this, mom or dad, how, <laughs> how are you not feeling like, well, why didn't anyone, why didn't my parents do this for me? If only my mom had communicated with me like that. And instead of being resentful of what you didn't have, and I'm, this is maybe a big jump because it's like, okay, I didn't have disc brakes when I was racing. <laughs> if only I had, or if only I'd known the nutrition that I know now um, and been able to implement it 10 years ago when I was brand new and I didn't have to spend five years figuring out how to use feed zones. And now I can call Brianne and she can tell me how to do right? If only I'd had those things or what the kids have now, you know, I think you get where I'm going, but mm-hmm. um, and it was like, you can either look at it as I didn't have these things. Woe is me or wow. We have an opportunity to change the narrative change, lead by example, have other parents see how you talk to your toddler. Um, how cool you get to teach your child by example. Um, and it, I don't know, it like really hit home for me that, it doesn't have to be woulda, coulda, shoulda, or if only I'd had this. It, it, and I'm trying to tell myself this daily, maybe so I don't have FOMO or <laughs> whatever, right? So that I can kind of wrap my brain around this. This is my new role. I'm choosing to be a mom instead of be on my bike. I'm choosing to stay home instead of working to pay someone else to do it. Like, so by making those choices, I can't be resentful of it. And I'm not, um, but it doesn't, it's not easy. It's, I still, I still. Well, I think you can have FOMO and still be like all of those (laughs) things. Like I I saw, we we were down in Arizona at the beginning of February, when we were down there at the beginning of February, Yuri Hoswald was there and he was doing this big um, trip on the bike. And I haven't been on the bike like I used to be either. And um, Tim was like, he looked at me and he goes, yeah, FOMO. He's like, it's the first time I've seen that. I'm like, I do, but I don't have enough to get back to where I want to go there. (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, you see it and you're excited about it and it's exciting and it's fun to watch. And you're like, oh man. Yeah. But I'm also happy. So, you know, there's like that balance. Absolutely. And that's what I walk away with most days. Most times. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Yep, I'm I'm making this choice. I do want to be there, but I don't have 30 hours a week to train for it. And I'm stubborn and I don't line up unless I have intention to be up with the best because I'm a brat like that. <laughs> and I know that about myself. <laughs> so unless I can commit that kind of training, I can't have that expectation, right? And also, as everyone says, these are these are the times you're never going to get back. And I truly actually hear that and believe it now. I didn't with my first. I was like, no, I'm going to do all these things. I actually, I got a memory the other day that 
at three and a half months postpartum, I did an Everest challenge after, after Beatrice. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and right now I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> And I actually did the same thing. You just like, I, ha- I wish I was there, but not enough to do it, to do it, to be there. Yeah. But admitting that makes me feel like, sh- should I, should I want that? Should I try to be there? And I, I keep like, I answer my own question, but it's definitely an internal battle. Yeah, that's a, this is this is a good dialogue for a lot of our listeners to hear and, and like listen to for sure. Yeah, I think we spend a lot of our life battling the who we think we should be and who we really want to be, you know, or who we used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually just at this retreat this past weekend, and it was for women like in their late forties. Mostly, we had a, one woman that was forty-two. But the, the doctor who spoke and she said, you know, I talk to women all the time. They start to hit 40 and they're just like, well, I used to be faster. or I used to be able to lose this weight really easily. Or I used to be able to do this. And she's like, women on average live to 82. Are we going to spend 40 some years of our life looking back at who we used to be instead of forward at who we're going to be? You know, it's like, she's like, you got to turn away from who you used to be and just embrace who you're going to be. I was like, that really hit home. I was like, oh yeah. No, well said. I like that. Very well said, honestly. Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, deep conversations. <laughs> All while a baby's sleeping on you. Yeah, I mean, come on. Babies. Like, just that's look epic at momness. Look at just those little look cheekers. At this it's just that She's face like, is so cute. Oh my God. It's so cute. <laughs> And she, oh, she has the bow. look even when I take her away from cuddling. Like, oh mom, does she have baby Uggs on? <laughs> she just little slippers. Oh god, so <laughs> cute. My favorite is I don't know why, but my favorite is the little fat wrinkles they get in their arms. Oh yeah. It's just like the best. I know. So yeah. I oh, yeah. we love yeah. Them. Sydney had Sydney had the rolls out those. those. Just so many rolls. Look, Look at, at those, that. Yes. Right there. there. <laughs> the little sumo wrestling. I have to make it onto video. <laughs> <laughs> always do video, but we're gonna have to show baby cuteness. Um okay. Well, we already talked a little bit about your event, but just to circle back to that. So um Tell us like the dates and, uh, you know, I think maybe some women, when they hear that, some will be like, yeah, hell yeah. Give me that climbing. But I might be like, that's a little intimidating. Well, so kind of even the, even the 30 miler, it's, it's super fun. And one thing about it is it is like pristine gravel. I really can say that with confidence and they grade it in the beginning of June every year. It is like, there's nothing technical. It's almost like a like a squishy road. Um, it's really, it's really nice. Um, so the dirty down gravel grinder, June 17th in Vernal, Utah. And I think we talked about this. I'm, I want to bring up the girly participation. Um, and so we have a code for anyone on the podcast for half price entry on any, yeah, on any, um, course it'll apply to you. So send that out. Um, and I do have a, I do have a non-binary category, of course, there's no one registered for it yet. So wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 
Everyone wants a podium. Um, <laughs> uh, Abby Robbins, would you like to go to Utah and get a podium? <laughs> there we go. Um, but it's super fun. The start finish is in Dry Fort Canyon, and it's this really cool, like natural amphitheater, and there's hieroglyphs in the rocks. And I'm working on a local live band and kind of party. It's it's a small event, but it's it's fun. I had a little over 200 last year, and it looks like we're on track for 400. I'd love my goal is to hit 500. And so, if you don't like, if you if you like the idea of not a huge group to navigate, um, it splits up pretty quick because of the climbing. <laughs> um, but fun, it's it's a good time, and um, you know, women run. Uh, I don't know what else. It sounds like that would be a fun place to take a family and, too. And that's the other thing. Visit dinosaur land is our main um, kind of tagline. There's tons to do. The town is super cute. Everything has like dino puns and <laughs> little, little dinosaurs <laughs> everywhere. There's numerous museums and it, it's like for real dinosaur tracks in the rocks and uh, That's how far uh, outside of Salt Lake is it? Um, it's two and a half hour drive from Salt Lake City, um, but it's east, so it's actually pretty appealing to Colorado as well. Um, can get in pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, it's not like a crazy remote. It, it, you know, f- to compare to Crusher again, it's um, it's like the same distance from Salt Lake Airport. It's just east instead of south. Um, route to the, the, proceed to the mechanic. Are you, are you do you have the map on, Christy? <laughs> Did you hear it? I was, I was like, oh, it's 13 hours. I could probably go that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the map on the podcast. But I My have been, came on. <laughs> for the racers, I have been pitching it as a great in-between. It's in-between Unbound and Crusher. Smack in the middle. If you need an altitude event that's you know, it's a great training day as well for anyone on a big, a big track. Um, it's actually really good. A couple of weeks after Unbound, a couple of weeks before Crusher, just saying. Well, there you go. Nice. Well, um, and then what's the website? We'll put it in the post. Raveldino.com. I'm on it right now. Yeah. Gravel-dino.com. Yeah, dash, thank you. I was like, is it a hyphen or a dash? Yeah. Gravel-dino.com. And I'm actually, I have another uh, women run company um, helping me. There's a bad company called Fierce Hazel. Um, oh yeah. They're uh, going to get ready to come on as a podcast oh, cool. sponsor. Um, they're yeah. going to be doing some swag for us. And one of their main girls, Megan is, redo- is helping me redo the website. So when you go to the website, when it looks different, when you click on it in a couple, actually, maybe by the time this airs, maybe I'm not even saying it, but I'm really excited that I'm trying to keep things grassroots and like having all my ladies help me make things better and better. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep it that way. So I'm really excited to have a lot of the sponsors and partners and, and helpers all be like me. Awesome. Tell us if people want to find you or your, your sports diet, dietitian company, um, let us know. Absolutely. So my company is called plan seven endurance coaching plan. And then the number seven, and that's also our Instagram and our website. Everything's just plan seven coaching.com. Um, so you can, there's links to contact me through there. Um, you can email me directly and 
if you want help figuring out your individual nutrition needs, I can work with anyone. It's what I do. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And maybe you get to see the baby while you're on one of your It's very possible. <laughs> Love it. It's real, right? I mean, I'm just home with my girl. And as long as, as long as I can, in fact, I'm, as soon as we're done with this call, going to go get the just turned three-year-old three months, awesome. yeah, three months and three years. Be Rose. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Growing up like a crazy little thing. Aww. Well, Bree, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this is a really key conversation that people will relate to. And Thanks so much for having me and for the, you know, the wonderful chat and I just thank you. love and appreciate all that you ladies do. Seriously. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? Which means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit InsideTracker.com feisty. That's InsideTracker.com feisty.